There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 37. Con- going to continue our pocket of ADP analysis, going 150 to 200 on some recent NFPC DC ADP. Going to go over some recent, uh, I guess I guess it's still the hot stove, technically, but it's more like we're trading this guy for that guy, and it kind of works out for everybody involved. Uh, we'll talk about that as well and much, much more to get you ready for the 2023 fantasy baseball season as it's almost February already, which is insane to think about out loud. You can find myself on Twitter at BD Entrick. My co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend? We're, we're powering through. You might be able to tell with the voice that uh, we're not we're not a we're not a full go. We're not a full hundred percent. I got two bags of this eucalyptus throat coat <laughs> that we're gonna try and uh, and try and lubricate the, uh, the 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 voice cords and, and see where we get. So a little bit of a different strategy tonight, but I'll we'll we'll make it through. I like it. He's 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 uh he's he's just hurt. He's not injured, folks. So he's powering through for us. Right. Uh, we're making it happen. This might be his uh, Jordan game. We'll see. But uh, we'll 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 see what we get from Bloom, which is always good stuff. And we will power through and go straight into some interesting hot stove action. And this one happened like felt like very early the next morning after we recorded last time. Uh, there was a, a trade between the Twins and the Marlins. Pablo Lopez and Luis Arise are the main pieces of the puzzle. There's a couple big-time prospects, apparently, that went uh, as well to Minnesota. So Marlins feel like they paid a pretty penny for Luis Arise, but we don't really care that much about the price, I guess, more so the fantasy impact. So let's start with Pablo Lopez, who we've kind of talked about the Twins rotation for a while. They've always kind of needed another piece. We also talked about how the Marlins rotation was kind of overloaded with options. So how do you see this playing out with Pablo in Minnesota and who do you think it opens up for in Miami? Yeah, this trade's fascinating, man. Like, it probably has the biggest fantasy potential or impact of, like, really any trade so far this offseason just because of who's going where. And like you said, the Marlins, like, stock of rotation depth. I think at least for the Marlins who, yeah, had a seven-man rotation, this, uh, I don't, I don't know, this is good or not, but breathes life back into Trevor Rogers' uh, comeback bid. 
I think he would probably be the fifth starter now. Maybe Braxton Garrett. I'm kind of pulling for Braxton Garrett. Yeah. I'm a big Bra- Braxton Garrett fan. Um, but it's one less obstacle, at least in Miami's rotation. For Lopez himself, like it's it's a it's it's a lot more run support. It's a better bullpen. Give it that. Um, so it's probably a good move for him. Um, and actually, we'll probably talk more about. Pablo Lopez later because he is in this 150 to 200 range. So we'll kind of shelve it, I guess, for now. But um, that was a big thing I thought was more on the Marlins side was like Trevor Rogers get another shot. Braxton Garrett, Miami has to feel pretty good about both or one of those two guys to uh, to pull this off. Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, right now uh, Trevor Rogers is roster resources, fifth pitcher. But I'm with you. I've, I've got Garrett in a lot of uh, NFC 50s. I'm a big fan of Braxton Garrett and the strikeout upside. Maybe Rodgers bounces back. Rodgers is a fun one if you look at the projections. Like Steamer's got him at 378 ERA, ATC 399, the bat 444. Um, so the bat is not you, a fan. You, have to, you put Trevor Rodgers in fun in the same sentence. <laughs> I don't know. Uh... It, it was fun for my angle because I didn't roster him anywhere last year. So it was fun to watch from the outside looking in. Um but uh, yeah, the uh, projections are all on the board with him, which is very intriguing, I guess, to say. And we and, and it makes yep. sense. You wrote about him a lot last year, talked about him a lot. And there was always like a glimmer of like, this should start working at some point in time. Like, what's going on? It just never did. And maybe it'll come back this year. Who knows? If not Braxton Garrett's there, they have Eusteri Ruiz is another young uh, pitcher that might get a shot eventually sometime in the season for you deep, deep DC type people. But uh, it definitely clears things up because, like, when, last time we talked, they signed Cueto, and we're like, just ah, more depth yep. for the mess. What kind of felt like a trade was coming, and it made sense. It's been rumored forever, and then it finally happened. So that that's good to see it free that up. And then on the Pablo Lopez side, like he said, we'll talk more about that um, when we do our ADP analysis here. But I just wanted to mention this Minnesota rotation. Um, it looks a lot better. Still could be better, but. You got Pablo, you got Sonny Gray, who we've talked about, Joe Ryan, Tyler Molle, Kenta Maeda, if he bounces back at all. That at least on paper looks a lot better than it did probably like a month ago. So we'll see. For in January, it does. I I remember how beat up that Minnesota rotation was in the second half last year. And a lot of those names you just listed, um, do they make it to July or August? I I don't know. Funny thing on just real quick on Braxton Garrett. Remember we did that like way early DC started in August, continued it in October. Um, I am the min pick on Braxton Garrett for all NFBC drafts and probably Still. will be for all time because I took it Braxton Garrett in the, again, we were, this was totally blind. This was the first draft. There were no projections. It's easy to uh, look back on it. I took him 330 picks before his ADP. Uh, I took him in the, <laughs> Took him in the 13th round at 186, and Braxton Garrett's AP is 480, man. Wow. Wow. So, so I'm pulling for you, Braxton. Maybe we need a bloom board of like just everybody in our draft. That how many, what were the biggest ADP discrepancies in that draft with the person's Twitter handle next to it? That would be a fun one to uh, monitor at some point in time. Let's flip it over now to the Marlin side of things. Luis Arise, like I said, went to Miami. Right after they moved on from um, – who did they just trade? I totally was blanked. Um, oh, uh, Rojas. Rojas went to um, to the Dodgers. So he was their shortstop. Arise is projected to play second base. We know he can play first base also. Uh, it leaves Joey Wendell at shortstop because one Jazz Chisholm is now moving to center field. 
So it was a gigantic domino effect. Like you said, this trade had so it's like an onion, and there's so many layers to this trade between rotations. Now you have Chisholm going to the outfield, so Wendell can stay at short, which they really wanted, which kind of surprised me because I never really think of Joey Wendell as a shortstop full time. And then you got a rise going to second base. Um, you know, Jesus Aguilar is not even there anymore. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Locks and Garrett Cooper maybe at first base. Like there's a lot of pieces that moved, and and I guess I guess didn't 100% secure playing time situations in Miami, but made it a lot more clear in the last like week now so what's your thoughts on that whole mess i just threw out there yeah i i so, so the the big thing like and i thought about i'm overthinking everything because it's january and what else we're gonna do at this time uh the jazz chisholm move to me is absolutely fascinating like yep. there are so many different ways you could look at this the glass half full approach is like so for me the big thing with jazz chisholm love the talent I'm just worried as hell about his knee and his back. Like those are two things you don't want. Uh, someone who, you know, where speed is his game glass half full approaches. Miami probably has to think they're confident enough that jazz is healthy for next season, that they're going to move him to center field and have him learn a new position. Like to me that if you're looking positively on this, that that could be a takeaway. The, the glass half empty is, Jazz has never played center field before. Does Miami really know what they're doing? And is Jazz, well, Jazz definitely is going to have to learn a new position, a really taxing position on the fly. What's that going to do to his offensive numbers? We talk all the time about how uh, major league catchers coming up from the minors. No, it's not a new position, but they're learning a new staff. That, that There's a, that whole part of the mental part of the game that they have to pick up while they're trying to produce with the bat. And so I wonder about that with Jazz Chisholm. I also wonder, like, and I know roster resource is just one guy. It's Jason Martinez. He's got Jazz hitting third. And that kind of makes sense behind Luis Arias and, and Gene Segura. Like, if Jazz is hitting third, is he going to run as often? I, I So all those things, like, I don't know. It's just a long way of saying, like, I'm not sure how to take the news from the Jazz side. Uh, well, how about the guy has got injury concerns playing center field now? Like right. running around walls, diving. Like, I th I'd be more worried about getting re-injured in center field than I would at like second base, which is nuts to think about too. So. Right? How well is he going to learn how to time his jump into center field, and when the you know a ball goes off the wall, like that? That's that's scary to me. So, I I don't know. I think it's a downgrade for Jazz for those reasons. I think the cons outweigh the pros, but could be wrong. Yeah, it's a conundrum. And on a pitch con, I did the on a Thursday presentation. Chisholm was a guy mentioned on the show. Frank Stample, um, that's one of the guys he's targeting in uh, the picks one through 50. And I don't blame him. Like we know the ceiling that Jazz brings to the table. It's a 30 30 guy, and there aren't a whole lot of 30 30 guys anymore. So it's, it's a phenomenal talent. And uh, I'm a, I've been Jazz 101 from day one. One of these years, I'll episodes i'll remember to wear the shirt on the show i have his jazz shirt i wore it to f pads for crying out loud this is my guy it's your um, boy but i'm nervous like i love the guy on the field i love the everything about him it's just uh health wise it's scary for such a young player to keep battling these injuries I, so center field worry like i don't i was surprised i was very very surprised like yeah. why don't you put garrett cooper and he's always hurt too but put cooper in the outfield put a rise at first base and keep jazz at second there's so many moving pieces i don't get paid to make those decisions but uh, they do. Then I, I said it earlier. And I guess we, we don't have to go deep into it. But like 
Joey Winless doesn't scream starting shortstop to me. Like, I just don't get it. Um, they're in love with it. I know he's played shortstop. I just, out of all the options, I was kind of surprised by that one too. But anything else on this Lopez Arise Jazz Chisholm conundrum we have here? No, I mean, I think that covers it pretty well. I do wonder too about like Miami pitchers with Jazz in center field. Like, I, I just don't know how that's going to go. Like, dude is athletic as anything, he's confident as anything. He says he's going to go out there. We'll, win a gold glove i'm rooting for him um but yeah well we will see all right the twins made another trade like they're trying to be like jerry depoto just not to the va- name value it feels <laughs> like um they traded for michael a taylor and right now taylor is expected to be on the bench this is a weird one because you know we've talked about you still have trevor larnick you have alex Kirilov, who can play first base in the outfield they signed joey gallo buxton's healthy for now i say that very nicely for now uh, we thought Max Kepler would eventually get traded. He still might by the time this episode comes out. You have Nick Gordon. So they they basically got this really good defensive outfielder, which is nice. Not sure the home for him. Uh, flip side, now you have Kansas City, and it's kind of like this Marlins deal. It kind of feels like it made things a little clearer, potentially, on the Royals side of things. I don't know if it's the clear we wanted. But now you have you know Kyle Isbell or um, – I can't remember, Eaton or someone else in the outfield. But it opens up Hunter Dozier at third base. It opens up uh, Edward Olivares maybe playing more often. And it opens up Drew Waters in center field. Like, it kind of locks in a couple spots I really, really like to see. So how do you see this Michael A. Taylor trade that I think, if anything, it's better for fantasy for the Royals side of things than the Twins side? No doubt. No doubt. Like, we all know... Michael A. Taylor has very limited fantasy value. His, I mean, he, he is a good real life defender. And I think on Minnesota, it's just, it's just Buxton insurance, which they're going to have to, yep. you know, pull out. That He'll play a hundred games. <laughs> yep. They're going to have to, have to use that, uh, pay that premium probably pretty soon. So um, yeah, it, I, I, I have always been a free Edward Oliveris guy. The last you know, last year, some of that was more injury. Um, I think that opens up right field for Oliveris. Drew Waters, I don't honestly don't know too much about. I need to dive in a little bit more, but like he could be their everyday center fielder. He should be, um, and yeah, probably should be. But I think I think Edward Oliveris. It's just it's just one less obstacle in that Kansas City outfield. Um, if Oliveris is healthy, man, uh, God, I just. I love those skills. I always will. Um, he just needs that confluence of an opportunity while he's healthy. And I think it could work. And ADP wise, Oliveris, and this may rise later, but he's like 450. So and Drew um, Waters is almost like 100 picks later. Um, like it's both intriguing with all this being said and done. And, you know, for Oliveris' sake, I really wonder if uh, when that trade was made, did he walk into his like leasing office and go, hey, I could take the year lease this time? Like we're not going back and forth. Like, give me the year and give me the better place. Like, that's what I want because I'm, I'm staying this year. My so. man saving a couple hundred bucks by paying the year up front, as opposed yeah. to uh, he's like, I don't have to worry about you know, money. I don't have to worry about the rental car going back and forth. We're good. So yeah, I'm no sticking this out. I did mention Hunter Dozier locked in the third, and that's because this other trade that took place. I don't know what the Red Sox are doing because we wanted Elvis Andrews there. Apparently, they don't listen to the show. Shame on them. Yeah. But um, Adalberto Montesi gets traded to the Red Sox to um, hopefully play shortstop, but then reports immediately come out that he's probably not going to be ready for opening day. Yeah. Don't understand that move at all. But what it does, again, Kansas City. Things get a little clearer. Now, Hunter Dozier has a regular spot instead of platooning between third base and the outfield. Whether you like that or not, it's his spot. 
And then Nicky Lopez can now be like the full-fledged utility guy, even though there's rumors now that he's on the trading block and might get traded. So um, how do you see this Mondesi thing playing out? Uh, not not well. Uh, it, <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was just fascinating that the news that he may not be ready came out like, or maybe, I'm sure, I assume Boston knew this when they made the trade. I mean, they didn't give up much, so. but um, it's just a reminder of you're getting a guy who, although, you know, much cheaper now than where Mondesi was going, getting a guy who can't really hit, has terrible plate skills and will get hurt. So like, I d- don't buy into the, the Mondesi hype. We have, we have been there before. I think the market's finally kind of smartening up and, and not buying it either. So I'm, I, I'm really not even like, I don't know. He's got a Mondesi has a 260 ADP. I, I bet that rises. I bet that rises up maybe closer to like 200, maybe to this pocket. We'll probably talk about him on next week's show from yeah. 200 to 250. He'll probably rise into that group by then. Um, those are not, these are not free picks. There are, there is talent that you should build your team around that uh, is a lot more stable than Mondesi. So um, don't, don't, don't buy the bait. Yep, 100% with you on that one. Our final two moves we're going to talk about here. Brace yourselves, people. The Oakland Athletics. Um, They've made a couple moves. Uh, First off, they signed Jesus Aguilar, and it's probably like not a whole lot to do, but he's going to play pretty much every day because it's the A's. Like, why not? And we've seen this before, Ryan. I know it's a bad ballpark to hit in and all these things, but – a guy that goes super late in drafts, that does have power, that plays every day, even on the A's, we've seen this become fantasy relevant at some like weird point in time. So by no means am I saying run out to play him, but if he is penciled in to play like 130-plus games at cleanup for the A's, he's got 20-plus home run power. We've seen it before. Will it happen? Who knows? But I think it's interesting leaving Miami to Oakland and uh, getting kind of locked into that everyday role. Yeah, so when I put Aguilar into, um, <clears throat> and this kind of dovetails a little bit on the, Toby's great explanation, and everyone should listen to it on, on Bench with Bubba um, earlier this week about uh, projections and aggregating projections and stuff like that. The way I do it is I, I combine HQ, the bat, and, and ATC is what I've got right now, but I use HQ's playing time just because we've got a, a small army of playing time analysts that... Um, that that update this stuff every night and so if i take jesus aguilar so before the deal we basically had aguilar for like nothing 136 plate appearances saying maybe he'll sign on and um you know play a month or whatever go to the minors whatever if i bump that so if he's in oakland like i i mean i think he's gonna hit third or fourth i think he's gonna play almost every day if i bump that and if i give jesus aguilar a full 500 50 plate appearances maybe i knock his home runs down the uh the three projection systems have aguilar at 22 home runs over 600 plate appearances say i even knock that down to 20 aguilar comes out like not too far behind joey manessas um goes behind above tristan casas right around brandon drury like not like a target but if you're strapped for corner infield or you're streaming for that week um, especially a week where Oakland's on the road, the numbers kind of play out in Aguilar's favor. So it's interesting just how much, if you adjust that kind of playing time slider on somebody whose skills haven't really changed, yeah, the bar parks are, ballpark's a little worse. If you give that guy full-time playing time, which it looks like he'll have with Oakland, he's like, I mean, he's a rosterable player. 
Yep. That's what's interesting because that's how he's always been. If he gets regular playing time, sometimes he's got a really good ceiling. And other times, it's just he's good enough is what it comes down to. And it's like I said, we've seen it time and time again with players on bad teams like the A's and stuff that you just let them play. And it's interesting. So he he definitely wasn't on my radar for any reason whatsoever, and now is. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, the other move, <laughs> don't understand this yeah, one. Speaking- <laughs> Yeah. And, and I love the tr- I love the uh, tweet I saw. It's like, oh, it looks like the A's are even now trading players that still have options left. Interesting. Like they're just trading everybody now. They traded Cole Irvin, which was technically their ace of the staff, which again doesn't say a lot. But um, I don't have a lot to say here. Cole Irvin, maybe the the dimensions in Baltimore favor him. I don't know. No. Um, he was streamable from time to time, but it was still sketchy as heck. And now you got Oakland, who had like twelve starting pitcher options. They're down to like eleven, and they're none of them are really that great. This was just a really bizarre tweet I saw today when it happened. Yeah, I mean Cole Irvin himself. That that that's just. I mean he's the poster boy for like maybe it's Zach Logue. I always talk about Zach Logue, but like the guy who you on Sunday night you need starts. Maybe does maybe he's a two start guy. You pick Cole Irvin, and the next Sunday you are licking your wounds um that's gonna stay the same i think if anything like if anything it maybe open gives a little bit more stability for ken waldachuk who i actually kind of like in oakland as a deep deep <laughs> deep starter um, deep. <laughs> he's, he's got some skills don't I, he's like slow as anything i watched him a little bit when they played the mariners last year and like, the pitch clock might be a problem for waldachuk but He's at least got some swing and miss, got some skills in a decent ballpark. So, like, maybe that, but that's that's about it. Cole Irvin is still not uh, not rosterable, man. I guess on the bright side, it's just one rotation spot closer for Kyle Muller to potentially get a spot in this rotation. Who that's, that's who I like to see out of all the options. At least let me see him get shelled if that's the case, because like he at least to me feels like he's got the highest potential ceiling in this group. So, like, throw him out there and see what happens. So it's one last kind of roadblock for him to get out there because you look down at his JP Sears, there's, like, four other guys in the minors that are all going to get starts at some point in time. It's a, it's such a disaster in Oakland. I feel sorry. Um, Scott Jensted, Carlos Marcano. Guys, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Like, it's, it's a rough one. It's a very, very rough one. Yeah. All right, let's do our ADP pocket of the week. ADP 150 to 200, and it's fun. And Ryan uh, tweeted out this information from last week's show. The next day, he'll probably do it again, I'm assuming, this weekend for this stuff. But, like, he has the, you know, 1 through 50, 50 through 100, and the positions in each pocket, which is really cool. It helps us kind of decide when you might need to be aggressive on certain positions. Um, so I'll let you have the floor here because I see a couple things that stand out to me. But um I'll, I'll let you run with this for a second and uh what are you seeing position wise that stands out to you uh biggest thing that i see is and this is just the volume the number of players by position in this pocket only two short stops um if you don't have a short stop and, th- and those two short stops are uh tyro estrada we will talk about yep. and javi Baez. uh those are your only two options at shortstop the first three pockets, there's so there's five shortstops in the first 50 picks, seven shortstops from 50 to 100, five more from 100 to 150. So if you don't have your starting shortstop and uh, Baez, quote, well, you know, spoiler alert, will be a fade for me. Uh, Estrada's a little bit better. But if you don't have your starting shortstop at this point in the draft, 
um, you're kind of in trouble at that spot. And and the prevailing thought the last few years is shortstop is so deep. That's not really the case because a lot of teams are going to use their middle infielder on a shortstop, and it does kind of fall off around this time in the draft. So shortstop was a big one um, that I noticed. Catchers is pretty small. There's a lot of first basemen, and we kind of hinted at this a little bit last week with 100 to 150 um, episode. We've got eight first basemen going from 150 to 200, so this is a nice kind of spot to if you do wait on first base to go you got jose miranda mountcastle rizzo ty france rowdy telez josh bell cronenworth joey manessas like and there's actually different kinds of first basemen too like some of those guys i rattle off are pure power bats some have some batting average potential like this is kind of a nice spot if you wait on first base to uh to take that so those were those were the two things that the two positions to me at least that uh that stood out. I guess a lot of third basemen going to. I was going to say there's sec there's seven second basemen, which stood out. But the oh, quality yeah. of these second basemen aren't. I'm not going to get the ringing endorsements. Let's put it that way because it's it's um we have let me slide on down here. Polanco, okay. Thyro Estrada, okay. But Brandon Lau, that'll be a fade for me later. Jonathan India, I'm interested in, but then Von Grissom, there's questions. Uh, Cronenworth, Whit Merrifield. Um, so maybe half of those you feel like okay, rostering out of the seven. So don't just take it like, hey, there's seven guys here. We can wait until this bracket. Maybe not. Maybe not the best idea. Uh, the other thing I'll say is there's 12 outfielders. We've seen 14, then eight, then 12, but 12 again. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alpha dries up quick, and after this one, I haven't seen the numbers, obviously, but just knowing from doing stuff, this is like your last realm of like really consistent or somewhat consistent guys. The next yeah. fifty, the next fifty, you'll have some more. They'll be like your uh, Benintendis of the world, your Verdugos and whatnot. Not bad, but just saying those names out loud, you should get an idea of what I'm talking about. Like that's where you're starting to head, and it just drops off from there. So by the end of this round, I'd want probably at least four or five of my outfielders just throwing it out there, like, or at least have a game plan of a couple guys you really like late, like just have that in mind because it changes in a big, big way. And then similar to what we saw last week, Ryan, and we said it last week and we'll say it again, there's 19 pitchers, ain't a whole lot of closers, folks. Like oh. they're gone. Like uh, there's uh, there's Sewold, there's LeClerc. Yeah. They're Sewell, uh, Peter Fairbanks, I guess. Fairbanks, if, maybe. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's like last week wasn't great either. So, 
closer situation have that one lined out a lot better too coming to this range yeah. so this might be your range to get your uh your first baseman um maybe a third baseman but uh we have a question later and i agree with our, our, our one of our listeners not the most ideal 50 pick zone it's not the, no. the best 50 pick zone in the world that's for sure there's some starting pitchers I like. We'll get into the uh, specific player stuff in a little bit. But, yeah, I, I thought that one of the listener's questions feedback was was interesting. I actually kind of, like, spurred a thought. I don't know if leagues do this. I know certainly NFBC doesn't, but, like, home leagues or whatever. It would be really cool, even in redraft leagues, to be able to trade draft picks. You yeah, know? just to trade out of this range. Just to trade out, like, so, I mean, you probably have to keep it to where, like, the number of picks were always the same. You can't do like three picks for one. Cause then you'd have rosters with different sizes, but that'd be kind of cool to be like, I really don't like, you know, this pocket. I'm going to trade two of these picks upgrade a round or two, and then give you like my last round pick or something. That, or I'll trade you one of these and give me three in the next like 50 picks and I'll take right. some guys out of that or something. Yeah. That'd be pretty. If anyone out there has that, I, I well, that's actually kind of interesting. Bet you if you go to fan tracks, you can do whatever you want. You can customize everything you want there. I'll say that much. True. Um, true. And you got to do the fab there too, though. So keep that in mind. But uh, to say not a sponsor, but then you, but then you drag their fab. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Hey, you know me. I go full circle. I don't. I bet. Hide I bet. Uh, I bet all on Roto probably has it too. Oh, I'll play, I'll play fan tracks. I'll play fan tracks. I bet they if that's customized. the case. Oh, man. Um, oh, you get to deal with that this year. <laughs> I do. I yeah. have. I mean, it's, yeah. I've, well, kind of, because I've been kind in Pout AL, yeah. and there's not much. Fa- there, there is fab, but. Yeah, it's a little it different now. Fab. Their player pool's de- twice as big. Let's yeah. put it that way. Um, that's, a little, that's just behind the banter there. Uh, so let's talk about some of these hitters first before we get into the pitchers. I do agree with you. If I had to pick something in this realm, I'll take more chances on starting pitchers in this realm than I probably will yeah, most I hitters. Like, I like a lot of starters here. But like, I, I love Renfro. That's a guy I love up top. Like the outfielders, I like a lot of the outfielders in this range. Um, and I, I, I would basically between pitching and hitting, I want like a couple outfielders playing a couple pitchers. That's probably where I'm looking, all things considered, in this range. But if we talk catchers, it's Cal Raleigh, the big, the big thumper or whatever he's called. Uh, Danny Jansen and Kyber Ruiz. That's your three catchers. And Jansen, you know, looks a lot better now potentially, but then the belt thing came in. So now it's kind of questionable again. So that's maybe not as love. Kyber Ruiz wasn't the best uh, seasons yet. This region, um, as for someone that loves my catchers, I'm not in love with this region for catchers. So I'd be, I'd be passing there. Uh, Do you got anything on catchers or do you want to focus on a, I guess we could focus on statistics. We did that very very well. What's kind of the hitting stats you uh, see that stands out to you here? Because a lot more red than green last week. Yeah, we're starting to see more. And obviously, if you're listening, you're like, what are they talking about? Um, I, I took, and this is out on the board too, but um, the ATC, just like last week, we took the ATC projections for batting average homers and steals. Like I could put runs and RBI in there, but it gets really cluttered. So I just want to get a basic, like, where are the where are the strengths and weaknesses of this pool by category? Um, and so those are the those are the three average power speed. Um, what I'm seeing in general in looking at this 150 to 200 range, and this is a little bit of a continuation from last week, is there are still steals available. And there are guys who are projected by ATC for roughly 10 bags or more. There's a lot of them. There's Ian Happ at nine. There's Bryce Harper at eight over a half season. There's Javi Baez at 11. If you trust that number, we'll get to that in a minute. 
Estrada, Harrison Bader at 20. We'll get to that as well. Uh, Brian Hayes, Von Grissom. There's Cody Bellinger, 11, Whit Merrifield, 19. So like, you know, you may quibble with some of the specific projections on this guy, but I just listed off seven or eight hitters that are at least double digit stolen base threats. And that's something, at least for me, that's a little bit new. And again, a little bit of a, of a repeat from last week, but you can continue to kind of build even this late into the draft, those, um, those double digit stolen base guys, which opens things up earlier in the draft. If you want to take, you know, the Bubba special and and big, big meat Pete, if you want to go Jordan Alvarez, if you want to go Vlad jr, if you want to go Juan Soto early, I think there's enough stolen bases in the player pool, even this late in the draft where you can make it up uh, uh, on the stolen base side. So that was one thing that stuck out. Yeah. The stolen bases. I'm a hundred percent on board with you on that one. Definitely stands out, especially a couple guys, um, like the Von Grissoms of the world and stuff. We know it's there if the playing time's there. Uh, Harrison Bader, who you said we'll talk about. The other thing that stands out to me um, is we talked about like power and, you know, 25, 30 plus home run guys last week. There's still a decent amount of like 25 plus guys here. You got Renfro, you know, Mount Castle at 24. I think that could be bigger. He gets screwed by that setup in Baltimore now. Mm-hmm. But then you got Giancarlo, you got Rizzo, we've talked about, you got Chapman. Uh, Raleigh, if you like them, low rowdies here at for 30. Uh, you got Hanager, like there's a handful of power still sitting here to go with it. So, um, when you see this chart that Ryan will put out eventually, it's it's really cool to see when you're building your roster. And we like we said, like Ryan says and stuff, middle rounds is the key here. You need to know your roster construction, the stats you're looking for. There's a handful of stolen base guys, there's a handful of big power guys, there's even a more batting average than you'd expect in this range. But there's not like a lot of three category guys because you're getting yeah. deeper in the draft. Uh, yep. But there's definitely spots you can build your team with here. And that's why these guys, I think that, that's a great observation. That's why these guys are starting to go later is like, yeah. it's almost kind of pick, pick one, pick average homers or steals. You're not really getting anyone. I shouldn't say anyone. Um, there are some. Um, you're not really getting that like all around production you are kind of having to pick and choose where you need to go with deficiencies elsewhere and that, i mean that's why these guys are going you know 150 to 200 so the the thing i'll add about the power bubba that you mentioned yes there is power but i can see a pretty clear drop off like around 175 so like the upper half yeah. of this pocket there's a lot of power bats um outside of so after rowdy telez there's like mitch hanniger and, and joey manessas those are the only two guys projected over 20 home runs um in the in the back half of this adp so it's almost um this almost might be kind of the tipping point of the last chance you can get for a 30 homer guy that won't absolutely sink your batting average yeah it's a very very good point i I, and then we we keep saying the batting average i'm impressed actually it's and it's more the back half of the of this round we're the batting average guys because they got harper but that's harper but like most of it's you know ty france at 172 Nemo, I thought he's better than 270. I was a big OBP guy, but 270 there. We got like Josh Bell, Von Grissom. Mean, he keeps showing up here, and he's a guy like I talked to Clegg from the Braves preview on my show. Right. Yeah. And he had a lot of really cool things to say about Grissom that, um, because it feels like for most of the offseason, Grissom's kind of getting like poo-pooed around the area. Like he's either not good enough to play the position, he might lose his job, he might be a, like a utility guy. There's so many things. But Clegg follows these guys. He's like, he knows them very well, and he's between just prospect stuff and the Braves. And he he had a lot of very good things like insights to Grissom that 
it made me walk away going, okay, Grissom should at least get the job on opening day. It's up to him to keep the job. That's fine, but it should be his job. And if that's the case, the talents, like you see the projection here of, uh, you know, 277, 14, and 16, he's probably got, like, that's a floor for him. If he plays the whole season at, at shortstop, you wouldn't be shocked if he's a 2020 guy. And that that's pretty cool. I'm not saying he's going to be, but that's interesting. So you got Grissom, um, and you got Alec Baum who's an interesting one, but a lot of bad average back here for sure. Um, Grissom is not to give too much away from HQ, but HQ projections, he is a 2020 guy at 268. Like the HQ projection for Von Grissom is um is very nice. And we do have, I mean, we have Chris Blessing on staff who knows Atlanta um really, really well, and 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 Brent Hershey as well on the minor league side that those that they give those projections a look so yeah grissom is uh he's a polarizing dude man because there is the you know can he play shortstop thing and they have to move him to outfield there is the he was you know benched a lot towards the end of last season but they had dansby um so i don't know um that's really interesting intel from clegg though i would i would trust him um over a lot of the stuff we're getting out there so all right, let's talk pitching now because, like I said earlier, there's only three relievers pretty much. A lot of interesting yeah. pitchers, starting pitchers, though. A lot of like you got the Giolito, who I believe is going to be a lot better than last year because honestly, I don't think he can be that much worse than last year. Um, so I think this is a potential spot to maybe buy the dip, as some people would say. But you got him, you got Chris Bassett, who's a steady Eddie. Um, Jomo, we love Jomo, both of us love Jomo. Uh, we Pablo Lopez, who you mentioned. There's Charlie Morton. There's a bunch here. What stands out to you, though, when you look at the pitching stats here? Because we said it even last week, the deeper this gets, your whips go out the window. ERAs are getting trickier. Might get some strikeouts. That's about it. It's um, it's it's interesting to me because there's just a lot of different types of starting pitchers. Like There's a lot of ways you can go filling out. And this is probably in like a 15-team league. This is your SP three or four in a 12 teamer yeah. it's maybe sp4 or five something like that you can go with the the like you said the steady eddie like luis garcia chris bassett um type of guy brady singer i think would fall into that candidate um there are guys who with major innings concerns but elite talent there's dustin may there's chris sale there's Grayson Rodriguez, there's Lance McCullers, there's John Gray. Like, there's a lot of those guys. Um, and then you've got guys who, guys I really like, who have pitched well, have don't have the innings concerns in terms of, like, injury, like a, like a sale, but, like, just haven't really built up. And that's, like, a Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen. Um, and then, like you said, Bubba, you've got Giolito, who's just, like, the ultimate rebound guy. So there's so many different ways you can yep. kind of go in this pocket it's going to be really interesting like this is every year this is the part of the draft i would not be surprised if we see two or three of these names post top 30 value by the end of the season like would not be surprised at all and this is why we're spending time on this pocket is because like these are the guys where you know not really in the end game where they're just there's severe deficiencies these guys have the skills um to to break out and so you just got to hit on the right ones yeah, and it, it's weird because, like, you know, I'm not a pitching guru by any means, but this is, like, a region I like a lot. I mentioned the geo love mm-hmm. I have. Uh, Chris Sale, it's like they have no reason not to throw him listening to things he has to say. At least he gives you the confidence he's actually, like, cares for once again, which who knows if that means anything, but the talent's there. Um, we love Jomo, like we said. I'm going to say it as much as I can, but 
Brady Singer is a fun one because he's a guy that everybody loves prospect wise. Didn't really happen. Didn't really happen. But last year when he came back from the minors, it was like, boom, there's the dude. We all knew he'd be. He was phenomenal last year. So I don't know if you may have seen this tweet today. I'm just going to throw it out there for the listeners that might not have. Michael Simeone, SP streamer, obviously it's in the name. Phenomenal with pitching stuff. Like really knows pitching well. So he threw this tweet out there today. Last year, fun with numbers, as he says, 2022 stats. Brady Singer, 3-3 XFIP, 18.5% K to walk, 3.4 Sierra, ADP of 172. You know who had a similar stat line, maybe actually worse than uh, Brady Singer? That'd be the Cy Young winner of the National League, and Sandy Alcantara, who had a 3-4-5 XFIP compared to the 3-3, 17.7 K to walk, 3.42 Sierra with an ADP of 28. Now, the fun is, do we think Brady Singer is going to be Alcantara? Probably not, but what that shows you is they might not be as far off as one would think because Alcantara is an accumulator. We've established that. Like, he's very, very good, and he, he's, I would go to bat saying he's a better pitcher than Singer, but what's to say Singer can't take that jump you were just talking about? Like, this is a pedigree guy. It's the guy we saw. Like, why couldn't he become a top 50 ADP guy next year? Like, he might not be the Alcantara, but we talked about last week. We tried to predict guys like Blake Snell or Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo. Why can't Singer be a guy that takes like a hundred pick jump? Why isn't that a possible thing? So it is a very interesting thing when you see that. I know it's just fun with numbers, and you could probably do that with a million different guys. But Singer is like he's one of the guys you're talking about. There's John Gray in this range. Like there's a bunch of guys that you could see being quite interesting. So I thought that stood out was kind of interesting to me. Simeon, uh, he didn't get ratioed that bad, man. That tweet no. had uh, 180 likes and only 20 replies. That's Let's look that's at not the bad. It's better than not. his top. That's better than both of our top twelve SP. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah let me let me that's see. That's interesting uh, though. Um, I think that's almost more of a not Sandy slander, but um, it, it was more for that's interesting. Yeah, it was more like, hey, look at Singer's actually really yep. really good. Like, let's pay attention a little bit to this. Now the downside, he's on the Royals. So if you play in a yeah. league where you really want those wins, that could be a problem. The so, interesting yeah. thing with Brady Singer, and I don't know what to really do with this information um but for year the last at least two of the last three years he's been at the top of called strike percentage so we we look all the time we talk about whiff rate swing strike rate how that how well that correlates to strikeout rate um and it does brady singer's never gonna get i shouldn't say never he he has not uh racked up the whiffs um like guys who are going around him for whatever reason, and I probably need to do a deeper dive, movement, control, command of his pitches, he's always near the top of called strike percentage. And that's kind of hidden in um, a lot of the metrics that at least I use. I know Alex Fast and Pitcher List, yeah, um, they have CSW. Um, Brady Singer is always one of those guys who, who floats to the top and the difference between CSW and swing strike rate. So it's just interesting. He's, he's doing something or some things that um, – other pitchers are not um so it's the cal quantrill effect he just he gets those called strikes he gets it done but he gets more strikeouts than quantrill so don't don't yeah. misconstrue that but yeah yeah you know you got charlie morton here is he gonna fade i think one of the fun debates that you'll see a lot and it wasn't even a debate we put on tonight's show but jeffrey springs andrew rasmussen are here two of the raised guys that everyone's big on and i guess the biggest caveat always is is how many innings are they going to get? Like, are they going to get raid or are they going to get to like go? I guarantee you, if we knew right now that either one or both were able to just go free each start, they'd be going a lot higher up than this. And so, those are another two. Like, do you take the chance and hope 
like Jeffrey Springs just got a four-year contract extension. That mm-hmm. makes me feel that they might just be like ready to let him go, like they did like with McClanahan last year. We'll see. But uh, that's an interesting little pocket right there as well. Yep, those are two guys who uh, I I I want to have a lot of this year. Yeah, no. So it, it's a fun fun range. Is there any other takeaways from the pitching department here? Because like I said before, for me at least, this is a region I'll probably leave with a couple starting pitchers because it's yeah. a spot. It's a spot where I'd rather t- I start to take my pitching chances here instead of like next week's pitchers. There'll still be some, but obviously, like we say with everything, and there's a reason they go farther in ADP. It, the talent level drops off. These guys, we can at least still see more of them yep. making a potential jump. Yep, I could I could totally see myself having a a good amount of teams with two or three starting pitchers from this group um i, I really do uh like that I, I i like honestly i like this and it's weird uh, i like we, last week we kind of poo-pooed the starting pitchers i kind of like this group more than yep. the higher adp uh 100%. from from last week so um just one last thing and you you touched on this uh briefly Bob, but just to drive that home is yeah just no saves no saves at all so uh maybe leclerc sticks around in texas i i don't think uh, well, who knows if Paul Sewell gets 18. P- PitchCon attendee, PitchCon yeah. panelist. With Alex uh, Fast. I got to check that out. Yeah, I need to I need to see that too. Um, I wasn't around for it. But, I, I mean, he's he's he ended the season injured with Fairbanks. I mean, he's the only – he's the third closer here, and who knows, Ray's going to raise. So, um, so, yeah, just to drive home that point of, like, if you don't get an early closer, you need to be uh, pretty confident in your endgame picks or – willing to spend a lot of time on Sundays during the season trying to find those saves. Yep, it gets dicey for sure. What else gets dicey? Battles, ADP battles. So let's have some fun with these. Ryan picked two. I picked two. We'll go back and forth. There's, I'm going to say no right answer or wrong answer. I don't know. There probably is. So let's have some fun here. Let's debate. Let's have some for picks in this region. And obviously we picked guys that are going kind of close and kind of similar and whatnot, but Ryan, what is your first debate here? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm just kind of picking guys that are that seem similar on the surface. So Chris Bassett and Luis Garcia. So I talked about kind of those steady eddies. Those guys are going at basically the exact same ADP. They have so 151 and 153. That also happens to be like the exact amount of strikeouts that ATC is projecting: 151 and 152, same exact WHIP. Uh, Chris Bass is projected for a little bit better ERA than Luis Garcia. Just two very similar guys that I have a hard time kind of separating. I think I'd go Garcia over Bassett just just for the for the age, and I think Luis Garcia has a higher strikeout ceiling than Chris Bassett does. Um, I would say the team, but Bassett is now on Toronto, so I kind of like that. Although with the shorter fences. Maybe that hurts uh, someone like Bassett, who's been pretty fortunate on the homer to fly ball side throughout his career. So um, both kind of stabilizing rotation options. I think I'd go Garcia just for the um, just for the upside, and he'll, I think he'll gobble up a ton of wins again in Houston. Um, about a week or so ago, I would have said Bassett pretty easily for me, and it's not that easy anymore. Um, I just love the consistency that Bassett brings to the table. He's literally, like you said, steady Eddie. This is what he does. I'm not too worried about the Toronto thing because, yeah, he plays in the AL East, but the unbalanced or the balanced schedules, whatever you want to call them now, won't be as bad as many times through the AL East, which is a plus. Um, and it never really faced him when he takes tough talent. Even in the NL East, that was a tough division. It's just fine for the Mets. 
Um, so I like Bassett a lot. I'm going Luis Garcia too. And this is, could be a problem with the amount of podcasts I do because I consume information and then I get biases this way. But I did the Astros show and Armchair Roto Russell Withers is on there. And he had a lot of glowing things to say about Luis Garcia that stood out to me and made a ton of sense. But it's like he said, for everything that people love about Christian Javier, which isn't wrong, which is not wrong, Luis Garcia can be just as good, if not better. Like he's like a year or so behind Javier. So this next year, he could get the innings bump. He could do a couple different things. Like, and if you think about it, if he gets that innings bump, he does go past Bassett in strikeouts. He goes by and probably in wins because he's placing on an Astros team that should just dominate out there again. I'm going to go Garcia. And I wouldn't have done it, like I said, a few weeks ago. Because once I talked with Russell, then I started looking at more stuff and digging in a little on my own. There were some things that stood out. Like, you could take Steady Eddie Bassett, no problem with that at all. You could take a guy that looks like Steady Eddie Garcia with maybe more ceiling than we give him credit for. I think we don't, we, I think we've seen Bassett's ceilings, what I'm trying to say. We have not seen Garcia's. And that's where I go, Luis Garcia for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't even know if Luis Garcia is that much of an innings. Like, I know Bassett has more innings than Garcia does, but. Garcia has over 155 innings each of the last two years, 28 starts, like yeah. each of the last two seasons. That's that's pretty damn solid. You can't yeah, ask so for much more than that. You get, no, so if he can sneak into like the 170, maybe, like mm-hmm. that just catapults him in a, in a big, big way. So I'm intrigued, intrigued with that one for sure. All right. My first debate here two second basements, one's a second base shortstop, one I'm a little uh, attached to. Um, Jorge Polanco. Versus Thyro Estrada. Polanco coming off the down season after his monstrous season. We all expect a regression, probably not to that level of regression, but I think the talent's still somewhere in between that. And then you got Thyro Estrada, who finally got to play nearly every day, burst onto the scene for the Gigantes, and looks to be top of the order bat, everyday player, hitting 2023. Maybe he improves. Maybe he overshot his, uh, his expectations last year. How do you look at these two? Um, so it's, I had to actually look this up because I'm in, I actually drafted Estrada. So much to your, much to your approval. I'm sure I took Estrada at the end of the 12th round. This was in the first pitch Arizona speaker league, 15 team drafted hold. So I was like, I went back and I was like, did I, did I have a choice here? Or was Polanco already gone? And Polanco was taken two rounds earlier. Uh, Clay Ling took Polanco in the 10th round. I think that's right. I think I take Jorge Polanco over Estrada. The the one thing, so I'm a big show me guy. I'd like to see Estrada kind of do it again. I know I've been burned on that a lot of times, um, kind of waiting too long for someone to show that. I And I'm also, I don't know about the power with Estrada. Um, I don't, I, I could see risk where Estrada is like a nine to 10 home run bat. And I think that could really, set him back on the Polanco side. The reason I really like Polanco is you're just, you're buying the dip. I mean, this is a guy he's for me, like he seems like Jorge Polanco and I always get him mixed up with, uh, who do I get? I get him mixed up with Eduardo Escobar. I have no idea why they were both. I guess they were both on the twins at the same time. Um, so I think like Jorge Polanco is old. Um, he's not like, this is Jorge Polanco's age 29 season. Last year was like totally injury marred. He had a sore lower back in the first half of the season, some knee inflammation in the second half of the season. Like I'm kind of writing off Jorge Polanco's uh, 2022. And maybe that's kind of selective bias, but this is a guy in 2019 and 21 who was over a $20 player. I just think Jorge Polanco in a good lineup with Correa still there. Um, 
gets the edge over uh, Estrada for me. Yeah, this is a tricky one because, like I said, I, I love my Estrada in our two early mock we did, or our two early real draft we did. I got him at 215. His ADP is like 165 right now. So I feel pretty good about that at least. But yeah, you, you um, took it, him, it, uh, I took Braxton Garrett ahead of yeah. ahead of. <laughs> Oh, that's too good. Um, it's a tricky one. Like, I'm going to take that Rostrata because uh, he's a target of mine. We'll talk about later. I could talk about him now. It doesn't really matter. But I like Polanco. Don't get me wrong. Do you like Polanco? I think what Thyro's doing, um, it's stuck out to me for a couple years now. Rates and barrels, um, Eno and DVR, like one episode a week, always talk about a prospect. They always talk at one of their end of their episodes. And one of the episodes is Thyro Estrada because StatCast data from the minor leagues, he was the guy that just like jumped from his previous seasons. Then he came up with the Giants in 2021, the hard hit rates, all that stuff, barrel rates through the roof in 2021. Those took a step back last year with the full season, but still, you know, 14 homers and 18 barrels. We don't like that. I get it. But one thing he continued to do, even though his barrel rate and his hard hit rate dropped, his max EV was the best of his career. So when he hits the ball hard, he hits really hard. And that's the thing you can't teach, as they say. So I think if he can do that and kind of meet his really good barrel rates and hard hit rates in 2021 in the middle from 2022, you know, his heart, his home run to fly ball dropped tremendously last year compared to that, that first season. I think there's a window of 15 plus home runs. More importantly, though, top of the order bat, he will run. They have no reason not to play him. And the Giants aren't gonna be winning the division by any means but they're gonna still be competitive that's what the giants do they're just annoying like that they're like the dolphins like i pick teams that take me along long enough to give me hope and then shoot me down that's what they do and that means thyro's gonna score a ton of runs and so i like him in that respect i like the multi-position eligibility so i lean thyro estrada thinking he's gonna be 27 this year we haven't even seen his peak yet we're polanco we've seen the peak and you're hoping he gets back to the peak that's the difference for me I like them both, but it's pretty close. The multi position is is good. Actually, just looking at Estrada, he's one game off from outfield too. At least in NFBC, he played nineteen oh, outfield games. So like that would that sure would have Mendes. been golden. Um, still, even in I don't know what other I know Yahoo's very oh, Yahoo's uh, probably got very him. liberal with yeah. with their position element. But if you're in a league with ten or fifteen, you've got Estrada at second, short, and outfield, which is wow, that's big. It's big boy nice. stuff. But yeah, man, nineteen games. That's uh, that's brutal because a, a second, th- a second short outfield Estrada in twenty game eligibility leagues would be pretty freaking be tremendous. But um, yeah, no, really good point about the steals too. And if you need bags, I mean, I I, I always say the cop out answer can be can be team construction, but um, that is a consideration for Estrada over Polanco. You're going to get quite a bit more bad. He's going to run. Uh, who's your next ADP debate? Um, two, two third basemen who are very similar in terms of low batting average, high power um, bats, and they're going right next to each other. There's Eugenio Suarez at 157, projected by ATC to hit just 216, but to hit 29 home runs. And then there's Matt Chapman going six picks later, uh, 225, 28 home runs. Um, I think I'd lean Chapman just because of the team context. Um, Suarez does play like all the time, so I like that. But Seattle is kind of brutal. I'm still not totally convinced 
about Seattle's lineup. So I'll go Chapman mostly for the lineup. The, the walls, it's interesting. I, I wrote this up for this in the speculator for HQ this week. Um, did a little bit of a deeper dive where all these guys hit um, like 300 foot outs on the Blue Jays looking looking at uh, those those new walls. Chapman's such a pull hitter as a right-hander. Most of his stuff goes to left field. And that those left field dimensions in Toronto, I think, are like unchanged. Uh, I think they do some center, maybe a little bit left center. But where Chapman hits the ball, I don't think he really – he might run into like two more homers. But uh, there's not much there with the uh, – with the shorter fences in Toronto for him. Yeah. Uh, I'm leaning Chapman as well. It's a ton of similarities between the two. Like, so you're kind of grasping at straws, but if anything, we know Chapman's defense is so far elite that um, he's not leaving that lineup at all. The lineup context is better too. Again, we both like Seattle's lineup a ton. There's nothing against that, but even before the dimensions, potential changes in Toronto, still a better ballpark than Safeco. Uh, So if you're grasping at straws, I go Matt Chapman as well. And I think with Chapman, on a good season, and we haven't seen it in a while, but on a good season, I think he can still hit you. Um, you know, we've seen 250 back in 2019. I'm not saying we're getting 250, but I guarantee you he can get somewhere a lot better than Eugenio Suarez can. And so if he kind of hits that little batting average bump as well, that'd be tremendous. Maybe not that like there's this is a maybe this would be a really fun one to look at in October because this this literally yeah. could be like identical again so because yeah it's actually I, I think Suarez has actually has a, a lot higher ceiling than Chad. I mean Suarez is bouncy ball year but hit 49 home runs in 2019 he hit 34 in 2018 like the dude has had two better seasons than uh than Chapman's career year yeah. so, it's it's it's, really. it's interesting it's very interesting too and I've grown to like Suarez more we've talked about him on a few shows like I, you know, in recent years, it was almost like you just get rid of him. He doesn't hit for average, blah, blah, blah. But if you build the team properly, he can give you a ton of power numbers. And it's just, it's really nice to have at this point in the draft, especially at a bad third base position. So someone to think yeah. about there. Uh, my, guess, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, my we, second, we covered it again. Yeah, my second ADP debate. This one's more just kind of a fun one. Do you want Chris Sale coming back from the injury, <laughs> hopefully motivated at pick 174, 357 ERA, 114? Whip 152 strikeouts according to Ariel Cohen's ATC versus Drew Rasmussen at 177, 360 ERA, 119 whip, 137 strikeouts. Kind of said it earlier with Springs and Rasmussen. It just depends how many innings do they get. What do you believe in? Like, and same with Sale. Like, how many innings is he going to get? Like, it's it's a fun conundrum yeah. between the two of them. And the thing is, we know Sale has a Cy Young like arm in him. If it's somewhere comes out, Rasmussen might. We just don't know. So. I think I know where you're leaning in this one, but Sale versus Rasmussen. Yeah, you know where I'm leaning. I'm going Rasmussen. Um, he's just safer. He's a big and then he. I need to look into it a lot more. But Nick Pollock unveiled PLV at PitchCon. Rasmussen was a big PLV guy, which is uh, pitch specific uh, skills. And I'm completely oversimplifying that. But uh, check check Nick's. <laughs> To a presentation on that at PitchCon, um, but Rasmussen really popped. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to spend a eleventh round pick, twelfth round pick on someone who has thrown like less than twenty innings the last few seasons. So, fully knowing I could miss out on a Cy Young type season, but um, give me people Rasmussen. said that about Justin Verlander last year too. So it's pretty crazy to, uh, yep. to think nope. about that. Like, I mean, <laughs> yep. 
that's, that's, <laughs> give it, give it. that's why I that's that's probably why I don't win leagues is I don't <laughs> but, get these breakout guys in the middle round. I will say though, Justin Verlander, I feel a lot different than I do Chris Sale. So <laughs> it's a funny that like I was in on Verlander last year. I'm not in love with Sale, but I am much more intrigued with Sale right now because. Like I, I said before, I heard his interviews this past weekend in Boston. And it could be all talk. Like it's stupid right now, best shape of their life, all that kind of stuff. But the fact is, he owned up to the idiot he's been, and he basically said, "I owe the fans this." Like you could tell, there's like a chip on his shoulder now to prove people wrong that he was being dumb, and I need to pitch well. And that right or wrong in analysis, like that's that's the caveman in me. Like I don't look at just spreadsheets like some people. Like I actually think like hey, there's a second half to baseball. There's guys actually mentally do things. Um that meant a lot to me to hear that from him. So um I'm much more intrigued with him now than I was a week ago. Rasmussen I can't figure out man. Him and Springs like I agree with everything you and anybody that touts these guys has to say because these guys are elite talents. The Rays just scared the crap out of me. It's just like it's so frustrating when you play them, and all of a sudden they're going four to five innings based on eighty-five pitches, and it's like, what are we doing? I don't think we'll have to worry about that with Rasmussen and, and Springs this year, but that'd be my only concern. I lean Chris Sale here, but uh, it's you probably can't go wrong with Rasmussen. I'll say that much. Can't go wrong with my man, but uh, but the ceiling is not there. I think almost an interesting comp too is, I mean, we're talking Rays is like Tyler Glass now. Seven yeah. innings last week. I mean, a lot. I mean, younger than Sale, maybe better ceiling Sale at this too, point. But yeah, he's go, he's not even in this pocket. I don't yeah. really know where Glass knows. He's a lot more expensive than Chris Sale. I'll so. tell you, I got ADP up right here. Um, Glass now, he's picked ninety, almost a huh. hundred picks. I'll take yeah, Chris that's, Sale. That's I would take, take Sale Chris at Sale. the price. Yes, I would take yes. I would take Sale over uh, over Glass. Glass. Yeah, that's a good call though. Uh, similar similar situations, as one would say. All right, let's do a couple of fades and or a couple of like targets and a couple of fades each. Like last week, we'll get some listener questions here and we'll run through these. I like, I love your first one here. So, who's one of your targets in this range? Um, yeah, we'll kind of run through these. I know we're, yeah. we're rolling, which is good. Um, Jonathan India, I just think like the projections are not going to like Jonathan India. I think most projection systems are weighing 2022 as they probably should across the board. Uh, they're weighing 2022 a lot more in India's case than they should just giving him a basically a complete pass for the injuries and India is young enough that I'm not too worried like long-term um, if he looks good in the spring, I think India can snap right back to being the guy he was in 2021, which is 20 homers, 12 steals, 270 in that park playing every day. Um, I just think you're buying a pretty good talent at a very low price based on a injury plague season. Yep, I'm with you there. I love the uh, speculation on India for the upside there. Uh, I went with Anthony Rizzo. We've talked about him a ton. We did it in the recap shows. Um, if you wait on first base or you need some power and waited on first base, you want a corner infield, you need power. Dude's got 30-plus home run upside in that ballpark. I talked about him on PitchCon as a guy in this range I targeted. Um, love the power. I think the batting average can get better. He used to be a perennial like 250-plus hitter. So maybe he he taps into that a bit somewhere, but power is legit. He's going to produce that in that lineup. Counting stats will be good. And he's going to steal you a few bags too, which not a lot of guys at first base will do later you get in drafts. So I love Rizzo in this range. And it's a guy, if you asked me in November, I wanted nothing to do with. And I've gone full 360 um, as I've yeah. you know done a few drafts and looked at the way things fall. Give me some Anthony Rizzo and that power production in Yankee Stadium. 
Yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, early in draft season, he we didn't know where he'd go. So that's true. He's a free agent still. Good point. Yep. Good point. Who's your next guy? We'll do two each. We have not talked about. I don't think we've talked about old Uncle Charlie yet. But Chuck, uh, Chucky has not been discussed. No, <laughs> no, he's not. Um, he's a big target for me, man. 160 ADP, 187 projected strikeouts for Charlie Morton. Um, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander get all the well-deserved praise for how well they're doing, how old they are. Charlie Morton, I think, is he's not in their class, but I don't think we're talking about how good Charlie Morton actually is this nope. uh, at, at age, age 39. Um, probably because he had a 434 ERA last year. The surface stats weren't that great. He got a lot better in the second half um, skills-wise. And... I just think he's got another year in him. Uh, the Braves are confident in him, and the skills are there, and the price is, is very good. So Charlie Morton is probably my biggest uh, target from the pitching standpoint. Springs is a close number two. You can't get many guys that strike out guys like Morton do this late in the Yeah, the K's, the K's is it's it's huge. It's yeah, a massive. Such a, and he's going to get a ton of wins in, in Atlanta, too, no matter what his ERA is. Like, it's just sure. what he's going to do. So, uh, yeah, don't hate it at all. As long as his arm stays on, he's he is legit the grinder. I'm going to learn how to pitch, not throw guy. That's what keeps him on the mound to this day. Dude, so. Weirdest career path. Like, he was yep. awful for a yep. long time with Pittsburgh. Yep. And then, uh, you got the Uncle yeah. Charlie. So, good old Chucky. Um, Jomo, Jordan Montgomery, I kind of stole him yeah. from Ryan. Um, I think he can agree with this. He might have even better information on this than I do. But a couple of things, ratios. He's done it in back-to-back seasons even better this past year. Um, he left the Yankees, so he actually got to pitch deeper in the ballgames. Went 178 innings this past year, which was great. The strikeouts went down a bit last year compared to previous seasons, which is a bit disappointing. But in the end, his K to walk was about the same as 2021. If he can get that bump back up a bit, that'd be tremendous. I'd be a huge, huge, I think we'd all be a huge fan of that. But I love the team he's on. They're going to win a bunch of games. Um, he's going to get usually decent run support. Ratios, like I said, phenomenal. Um, let me do a quick thing here. Just for when he came over to um, St. Louis in August at the trade deadline, 311 ERA, 309X FIP. Um, and he actually was better in strikeouts at this point in time. His K to walk went up to 18.8 instead of 16.6. So a little better, fewer walks, more strikeouts, um, six wins in his 11 starts. Couldn't say that all that often in New York. So there's just a lot I like about him. And I'm honestly, I don't know if Ryan, you want to agree with this part of it or not, but I think people just look at the overall stat line from Montgomery and not realize how good he really is. Cause a guy with his talent level, I don't, and the fact he went that many innings, I don't know what he's doing at this point in the draft. Yeah. Um, full agree. Like Jordan Montgomery outside of he had COVID in 2021 and missed two starts. Um, outside of that, he has not missed a start in three years. So good. like you look at the innings pitch total and this, I mean, this just bolsters your point, Bubba. Um, last in well, 2021, 30 starts, 157 innings. Yep. Like, what is New York doing with it? at a 383 ERA? So he averaged five well, innings to start at a times last year. ERA. I know you rostered him a lot too. How many times last oh, year was... we text each other or we'd come on the air on a night he pitched and be like, why'd they yank him at five and a third or something? Like every single time. Honestly, if he was still in New York, I don't think I could take it. 
like from a from a mental health standpoint from a just like it was it was so rough um now they would just not let him go the third time through the order um so like yeah it, it we're big joe we're we're pro jomo here on uh, bubba in the bloom so we'll now, let's do a couple fades here real quick. We'll switch roles here. I'll give you my first fade. And it's a guy I fade pretty much perennially every year. And last year felt really good. Uh, Brandon Lau. This is just one that I just can't support. He's got back issues. He's getting hurt a lot. 65 games last year. He played 149 and 21, but part of that 56, 82, 43. Never plays full seasons. He's done it one time in five years. Sure, he's got power, but it doesn't matter if you don't play every day, which he does not do. And um, I'm just going to keep it simple with that. He's not an everyday player. They will platoon him in Tampa Bay. So it's injuries and platoon in that scenario. I'm out at this ADP. So I'll keep it simple. I'm out. Stress reaction lower back is not good. Sometimes doesn't just go away. So nope. um, I, I get it. Um, I would, yeah, like much rather take India. Where, <laughs> Von, yeah. Um, or Grissom later. India. Where is it's low going ahead of India? Uh, yes, I believe so. I have it right it's here. 170. India is 177. He's going seven picks earlier. And he's going yeah. um he's going nine picks before Fawn Grissom. I'd even take Jake Cronenworth at 192. That's your boy, Rake. Yep, Rake, Rake, baby. Um, yep, I'm on board with that. Um my fade is totally league dependent, but Bryce Harper. I just in NFBC leagues and leagues where you don't have IL slots, it's so easy to draft a team right now. You don't see those red suitcases. Everybody's healthy right now. All is well. You'll just stash Harper and he'll be back in three or four months. Uh, there's a 40% chance that all players, this is this is over the last few years, 40% chance that your players will hit the IL in the top 300. And so it is very, very hard to hold Bryce Harper in early May when you've got three injured guys. Um, that opportunity cost of not having that roster spot, speculating on a closer, getting a, a seven-game week from somebody who you need a spot in, like that stuff adds up over the full season. Um, now, if you have, and uh, I've, got, I've got mixed labor uh, draft coming up February 21st, which has unlimited IL slots, I'm going to be fascinated to see where Bryce Harper goes because he's not costing you a spot. So this fade is totally um, league dependent, but in leagues without IL where he's taking those valued bench spots when so many guys get hurt, um, it's just really hard to fade. And then it's it's that whole mental thing where like, all right, my team was mostly healthy in April. I held on to Harper for a month. I can hold him for two more months. I can hold him for six more weeks. And then the injuries start piling up. It, it gets very hard to do that. And there's nothing like holding a util only guy that long, just to top it off, just like this to top it off, util only on that scenario. So we'll go with just one fade each on this one because it's a rough fade to begin with. We've got a few listener questions and we'll we'll hit those up. Um, well, actually, you talked about it. I'm gonna give you the floor because mine's Grayson Rodriguez just because he's young and I don't know what he's gonna do this year. So I just fade him. It's an easy fade for me. You have Javi Baez. I actually want to give you the floor for this because I am really curious on your thoughts on Baez who. This might be one of the lowest ADPs I've seen for him in a long time. Even Lord Zola is interested in Javi Baez at this price. So tell me, why do you disagree with Todd Zola? Oh, man. I'm going to have to bring this up on our uh, pitch. I had to throw. I had, I, had to tee that, I had to tee that up for you right there. I asked Todd if uh, 
Baez is an AL sleeper. Yeah, Todd and I are doing uh, AL and NL sleepers on PitchCon on Saturday. I So, yes, the case is made that this is a guy who really has been – he's put up first-round value early in his career. He is going at an ADP that is very palatable. Um, he's a very streaky player. Like, Baez was one of the worst players in the strike-shortened – or strike-shortened, COVID-shortened 2020 season. Sandwich that around like a $26 season in 2021, a $23 season and happy fun ball year. A lot of what Javi Baez brought to the table was speed. And that's the biggest reason why I think I'm fading. I don't know if Detroit is going to run him. And if they don't run Javi Baez, like I, I fully expect the homers to bounce back a little bit. The batting average we're projecting at HQ, him to hit like 250, 250, 20 homers. If that's 250, 20 homers and 20 steals, that's pretty interesting to me. But if Javi Baez is 250, 20 homers and like eight steals, that's pretty rough, man. He's got to do a lot on the power and the average side to make that up. So um, fully aware that that he is in for a rebound, but I just don't know. He only had nine steals and 555 at-bats. That's not something that like slumps. He just did not run that much in his first year in Detroit, and I don't see why he would start running more again. Maybe the new stolen base rules, but that's a rising tide that lifts all boats. That's all relative. So for me, it's the speed is why I'm I'm fading. Javi Baez without good stolen base numbers is um is is a rough player in my opinion. I think one of our last episodes of the preseason is we need to have a bets board episode. I think we're gonna have a lot of yeah. fun with that. I think that'd be a fun one to uh to track for the season. We can uh, maybe put it on a Twitter account or something to keep track of things. Um we'll get some listener questions here. I just want to hit up Jimmy D in the chat on YouTube asked thoughts on Drew Waters. I just want to do a lazy answer. We talked about him briefly in the beginning. And if you listen to my last bub on the bat flip, he was talked about in depth at the end of the outfield section uh, as a late round target. So go check that out. We'll fill you in there. Don't go reaching is what I'll say. Don't go reaching for waterfalls. Um, now we go to uh, some, some questions here on the Twitter here. Little book of calm, great follower on the Twitter Harrison Bader is being projected by the Bad X for a career-high season, 130 games, 236 average, 16 homers, 20 stolen bases. His career highs was 138 games in 18, 267 average in 21, 16 homers in 21, 17 stolen bases in 22. And he has many, many, many more stats that uh, support things. It's so rare to see a player projected for a career-best season, especially a veteran with over 1,500 career plate appearances, are either of you buying the projection or is this an easy avoid around ADP 170? I kind of am buying it, being on the Yankees and whatnot, but it's I'm not like in love with it, especially the um I, I believe this the average and the stolen bases. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I, I believe so, like, yeah, to to answer the kind of first question, it is weird to project something that a player has never done before. Um because projections by nature are kind of that 50 percentile median outcome kind of a deal. But in Harrison Bader's case, like it's really just the playing time. The per game stats have, have absolutely been there. Harrison Bader in 2021 hit 267, 16 homers, nine steals in under 400 at bats. I mean, you yeah. prorate that to a full season. Um, and it's not just, I mean, pro, it's just him staying healthy, 17 steals in under 300 at bats last year. Like this is a game changing type of guy um he's someone who maybe i have like an all punt list 
<laughs> I don't know, um, guys who I want to see in the spring. So like plantar fasciitis is no joke. Uh, that can absolutely linger across season. So I want to see how Harrison Bader looks in spring, how that foot um, is is looking in games before I kind of make a final determination. Um, but playing in that lineup in Yankee Stadium with the speed that he has, HQ 2020 projection hitting 240 for Bader, that's all dependent that the foot is okay. Um, if the foot checks out, and the plantar fasciitis kind of does subside again big if um i could absolutely see bader not only meeting those projections but but hitting them let's not forget nine postseason games five home runs hit 333 as well not saying like he just he, he has waves like that i think just playing yankee for the yankees in that ballpark and he's gonna run I think it's it's i think it's more reasonable and like you know it's the playing time situation that's how it's a career high 130 games pretty big deal there Yep. And yeah, Andy Splinter asks, could you all play a little game of Y draft X when you could draft Y with a few players? I love this game. That could um, be a whole episode too. Yeah, it is. And this is a game I love. And I know some people don't like it. I've seen it on Twitter, but I think it's a great strategy idea. Uh, Andres Jimenez, ADP 85, Thyro Estrada, ADP 180. I'll wait and take Thyro. I'm biased, but I like Jimenez. I think we might have seen peak power Jimenez. I could be wrong. So I'll take my chances with Thyro later on. Um, yeah, I had Jimenez's box in the forecaster and I closed it out with, uh, so it was one of those pro cons. So a lot of like good things, some bad things. The biggest cons that I have was just a lot of last year, what we saw where Jimenez hit 297 was like purely Babbitt driven. And he is a young, somewhat of a younger guy. So we don't know where that baseline is going to settle. But I think he hits like 260, 270, which is more Estrada um, range. The power metrics to me aren't all that different between the two. And I think Estrada can actually have more steals than Andres Jimenez. So um, I am playing that game. And I think you could get a uh, uh, Andres Jimenez light uh, later on with Estrada. This is the tough one now. Um, Logan Webb at ADP 111, Jomo ADP 155. Those guys were on target list for both of my last two episodes now. So that's tough for me to decipher between the two. If I got to be, man, I think I go, whew, I think I go web for the strikeout upside, but yeah. they're really similar. But I think I go web for the strikeout upside and the pitch mix changes we talked about last week. Like he's still trying to improve himself. We're nothing against Joma. We love Joma, but I think I'll go web. I like them both. Um, This is a pretty easy call for web. For me, I mean, just the biggest thing, Webb's done it. Webb's done it two years in a row. He's posted those elite ratios. Like, he's done something that twice that Montgomery hasn't even sniffed yet. And I know I'm talking about surface stats and things like that. We all like to focus on the skills and that sort of thing. But uh, ERAs of 303 and 290 each last two years for Logan Webb is just is is unreal. And it's just so many ground balls. Like, the guy is just... This is such a floor. Um, I'll I'll go Logan Webb and I'll pay the I'll pay the premium relative to to Jomo. But I'd I'd be happy with them both, honestly. Exactly. Uh, a couple of just comments here: SMMS seventy nine mediocrity, mediocrity everywhere. Kind of accurate for this range. Um, CJ Baseball says Seawald or Seawald should he be going this high with Munoz present and Seawald likely to not have a normal ramp up? Could see anyone drafting him there regretting it. So kind of a comment there as well. Um, Jeffrey Springs and Rasmussen, excellent value by fantasy season. That was a comment as well. 
And then our last question we have here is from SMMS79. My question is, can you find more than four to five guys you would want on your team here? Maybe it's just me, but I didn't realize how much I hate the players in this range. And we kind of said that earlier. This is a range where, like, if Ryan could trade out of here, he would. Um, and this is why I think this is a range we want to leave with a couple starting pitchers, potentially, because it's just not a great range. I'd, gra- I'd grab a first baseman, and I would grab... An outfielder and some pitching. I'd grab two pitchers, a first baseman, and maybe... Uh, and maybe one of our boys, Estrada or uh, India, yeah. yep. and that's that's probably it. Yeah, give me yeah, give me Rizzo, give me Jomo, give me like one of you know Ryan's Rays, and then you know pick your poison at the bar. Ryan's Rays, I like that. Yeah, Ryan's Rays, and see where it goes. But um, yeah, another fun pocket here. It was not nearly as fun as last week's. Last week had a lot going on. This does have a lot going on, and I, I guess it was good because it it pointed out things to us. Uh, which is the whole point of these episodes is to kind of know like statistics and positions where you want to bob and weave throughout the draft. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, 200 to 250 has in store because the way this dropped off so much from the last week's episode, kind of scared to be honest, but I'm looking forward to it. So uh, what are your final thoughts here? Uh, No, this is, um, I mean, this, but this is why we're doing these pockets. This is the place to focus your draft prep uh right now is these middle rounds this is going to make your draft so uh, we're fighting the good fight doing this it, and i've i yeah. feel like just even talking through this with you tonight like i feel like i've got a pretty good idea and plan of what i want to do here yeah i've, I've kind of held off on drafts for a couple of weeks and it's making me really want to take a chance <laughs> on another draft here pretty soon because i've been like being patient and trying to do some other things. I'm like, I kind of think I want to, the itch is needs scratching here pretty soon. So I mean, you've, on, you've only done case. 15 team previews the last two weeks. So. Yeah. It's well, it's keeping me busy from drafting. It's that's, that's part of it. You know, you occupy your time with other things. You can't, you know, draft, but when then you do a, a show like this, I'm like, Oh, that kind of seems appealing now. So I might want to go do this, but we'll see what happens next week. Maybe I'll be in a draft. Maybe I won't. We'll see. Hopefully the Oakland A's don't make any more moves. That'd be great. Cause that's just a, a poor like decision period unless they moved to las vegas that'd be a phenomenal move let's go that direction but uh until next time make sure you follow ryan on the twitter there at ryan bhq and the speculator has been out for two weeks folks make sure you check that out it's awesome stuff as always plus the other content at hq is great but i love the speculator column i like to read it on my lunch break on a tuesday or a wednesday whenever it comes out anymore i can't remember now totally blanking yeah that's the kind of guy i am Wednesdays, that's what it was. You write it Tuesdays, comes out Wednesday. Yes, that's what it was. Um, you can find me on Twitter at BDEntrick. You know, all the other goody stuff I do there. Just follow me there. And uh, we'll be back to you guys next week. This was Bub in the Bloom, episode 37. Catch you all next time. way to win up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills 
Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.